Welcome to the 80s and 90s Uncensored, the podcast about the 80s and 90s for people who care about that kind of crap. I am Milo Dennison. And I'm Jamie Fenderson. And today we're talking about books we love that were written in the 80s and 90s. And to help us on this journey of, of book loving, we got our pal John Wesley from Sense of Shelf Podcast. <laughs> Welcome to the show, John. Thank you. And thank you, audience, for the applause. <laughs> How are you guys doing today? Good, good. Dude, I love, I, first of all, um, I love the name Sense of Shelf Podcast. That's amazing. He, he does, I, too. He totally chuckled when he told me it. For, he was like, he's yeah, really I love John from Sense, Sense of Shelf. shelf. And I was like, <laughs> I love that. I love that I podcast. Love, I love a good pun. I love a good play on words. Yeah. Well, uh, tell us about yourself and tell us about Sense of Shelf. Well, yes, uh, as you were generous enough to introduce me, my name is John Wesley. Um, I do host the Sense of Shelf podcast. Uh, a friend and I had gone back and forth for a while talking about podcasting, and he made the, the leap before I did. And then I was, I was literally just driving around work one day, and the, the idea to have people come on to discuss their favorite books came to my mind. And I said, all right, we'll, we'll, I'll go with that. So I started podcasting just like everyone else. You know, you start out, you, you record what you love. I love reading. So we talk books, we talk authors, we talk anything book or literature related. And that's about it. That's how it all came to be. Great. That's rad. And, we, you know, we've never talked about books on this podcast. So this is, I think, the first time. I think this is a new topic for us. But we like books. Books are cool. Yeah, books Jamie are and I awesome. are both quite reader readers, and we've talked about doing book themed episodes, but we've never really come up with anything that we've liked. Yeah, that's why we needed to get John to like come in here and kick us in the in, <laughs> yeah, in the shelf totally. and well, there, like, okay, so much. This is going to make it happen. <laughs> there's so many good books that came out in the eras that uh, that you guys cover. So it's a pretty uh, pretty. There's a lot to choose from. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and we've chosen two of those books each. So we're going to, we've chosen two books that you didn't necessarily have to have read them in the eighties and nineties, but they were written in the eighties and nineties. And we chose two books each that, that we really like, or that impacted us in some way. So um, we're going to do a round Robin and talk about our favorite books that were written in the eighties and nineties. All right. Let's Let's do it. it. You want to go first, Jamie, or you want me to? Sure. I can go first. So, my first book is a book called Hatchet by Gary Paulson. So this book came out um, in 1986, and I was maybe late elementary school or junior high, middle school, somewhere around there. But um, I was interested in reading because LeVar Burton was like shoved that into my brain that I should love reading. And I also had a teacher called uh, named Mrs. Hawthorne. And she used to read to us every day and she had this awesome reading voice. And we actually really liked when she read to us. So I was really into reading. And one of the books that was really popular in 1986, when it came out, it was really popular among educators. It was called Hatchet. And it's about this, this kid. Um, he, 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 he's going to go, you know, he's flying in a plane, going to go visit somewhere. And he, and he crash lands in a lake after his pilot has a heart attack. But before he left, his mom gave him a a hatchet because he was going to go to the woods with his dad or something like that. So this kid's got to survive in the wilderness with nothing but this hatchet. So the the whole book follows this this 13-year-old kid named Brian um, and his kind of his ventures and his his 
strife and all the things he's got to do to survive in this wilderness. Right. And he's also thinking back, man, he misses home, but he's, he's also like caught his mom cheating on his dad. And he's thinking about how he's going to handle that if he gets alive. So the whole book is really cool. It's a young, it's a young adult book by Gary Paulson, who, who wrote like 200 books or more. He wrote a lot of books. Um, and this one was the first of a series. I, I didn't end up reading the series, but I remember Hatchet because it was just so popular in 1986 among young readers that um, that's just one of the things that really, I, I think, cemented my love of reading was Hatchet. Hatchet's the bomb. Good job, Gary. It's a great choice, too. It's still a very popular book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my son read it. I think it's still popular among educators um, today. Um, I think they're still reading it in elementary and, and, and middle schools. And yeah, good job, Paul. I completely forgot about that book until you were describing it. And you I was remember like, it now. Don't I was you? like, holy shit. I remember reading that book when I was a kid. Yeah, totally. You totally did. I think everybody <laughs> did in our generation read that book. I, a few years ago, I was working for a, a local bookstore and it's, it's still, it's tough to keep on the shelves even now. Yeah. 1986, uh, November 1st, 1986. So that's a rad book. Cool. Uh, John, you want to go next? Yes. Uh, so for, I'll get my, my serious and hefty book out of the way first. Okay. Um, this is a book I remember reading as a, like, as I was coming into my young adult, my teenage years. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, right. knocking toddlers, at the door. knocking on the yeah. <laughs> what are you, what you doing in there? Like I am the door very shut. sorry about I that. I want to be in there. <laughs> um, I want to be so, where you are when you're doing yeah. something. <laughs> yeah. Um, she'll find a way to interrupt no matter what. Um, so I read this. I remember reading it as I was like an early teenager. It's like, it's like the first adult book I remember reading uh, when I got into more adult books, Stephen King and whatnot. But I chose um, A Time to Kill by John Grisham. Well, it is an adult book for a kid to be reading. Right, right. <laughs> and reading it now as an adult was a very different experience. And I can't believe I read it when I was as young as I was. Um, but you guys might be familiar with the book or the film adaptation. Both were a really good um, story based in down in the South in Mississippi in the 60s. And a, a very young girl is raped and beaten by two white men and her her father takes the law into his own hands and it's the whole story with that and the trial and yeah it was it's john grisham it's a legal thriller john grisham it, it he deals with heavy stuff but he's easy to read if that right. makes sense like you, you you all of a sudden you finish the book you're like wow that that was heavy but it was so e his style is so easy to read like you just flow through you're just in it and he's surprisingly witty for the, the, the subject matter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> John Grisham's great. I love John Grisham. Yeah. I, uh, I saw that movie first before I even knew the book existed. And then after seeing the movie, I was like, oh, wow, that's good. So then I checked out the book. So is he still around? Yeah. He's still got books coming out. He's still had a few bestsellers in the last few years. Oh, okay. Damn. He, that's serious output. He doesn't play yeah. around John Grisham. No, he's one of those one of those that just keeps putting out books one after another. All right. Well, you both have authors that have an extensive library 
output of books that they have done. I'm going to go the other way around uh, with somebody who has very little that he's published. And that's because he died before this particular book was actually published. It's called A Confederacy of Dunces. It was released in 1980 by John Kennedy Toole. And what's interesting about this is he wrote it, uh, I believe, in like the late 60s. And uh, he killed himself. He died. And what happened was, is he tried to submit this book to publishers and stuff, and nobody wanted it. And uh, he uh, just had mental issues and that kind of stuff and eventually killed himself. And after his death, his mother took the book and did the same thing, tried to get it published uh, on his behalf. And then she got in touch with uh, a writer who basically she just hounded him and basically made him read it. And when he read the book, he's like, oh, wow, this is good. And then he helped her get it published. And when it got published in 1980, the following year, we won the Pulitzer Prize in fiction. Uh, so it's just an amazing story how this book got published. And the main character is Ignatius J. Riley. He's a snob. He's a slob. Uh, he's well-educated, but he's basically just this big, fat, lazy man living in New Orleans uh, with his mother. And what happens is his mother gets into a car wreck and it forces him to have to actually go out and get a job in order to pay for the damages in this car wreck. And it it's really kind of one of those interesting slices of new orleans with all the people that he meets it's written uh it uses the dialect that kind of new orleans dialect often in it and you just watch him go through his day as he lazily does whatever job he gets uh, at a hot dog stand he eats more of the hot dogs than he actually sells for example um he works at a at a clothing factory and basically uh tries to instigate a riot within the clothing factory and Anytime he gets work, he just trashes it kind of stuff. Um, so he's really just kind of this lazy slub of a human being. But I kind of, I imagine if everybody knows Catcher in the Rye and, and Holden Caulfield, this is who Holden Caulfield would be when he grows up. Uh, <laughs> he just runs around and complains about everything and thinks he's this shit. And um, it's it's just a lot. It, it's 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 funny. It's kind of got a darkness to it. And it's just really well written, in my opinion. He's a character that you kind of love to hate, and I I like that in characters. There's there's quite a few. There's depth to him in that way. Have you ever read that, John? I've never I've never heard of it. I've never read it. You know what's funny? I have it on my bookshelf, and I have yet to read it. <laughs> but I've seen I've seen it a million times. I glance at it constantly, and I've just I, I've yet to open it. Well, now you have a a reason, right? You've been prompted. Your yeah. next book is chosen for you bro. Yeah. <laughs> and with, i'm gonna i'm gonna incur milo's ire if i don't read it now <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly let me know what you think well because some people don't like it i mean there's a lot of people that don't like it um but i i think it's i think it's brilliant i love it uh, billy Connolly actually it's his favorite book so it's not my favorite book but it's definitely in the top 10 and certainly works perfectly for this because it came out in 1980 Wow. Yeah, I like I like the stories where another family member is the one who encouraged them or got it published for them. Yeah, um, like Stephen King, his wife he threw out Carrie before he published it, and his wife his wife took it out of the trash and forced him to finish it and publish it. I like stories like that. <laughs> That's cool. Uh, all right, Jamie, what do you got next? My next one is uh, it's a book called Neuromancer. 
It was written in 1984 by William Gibson. It's like an early, um, probably the best, one of the best known cyberpunk novels. And it was his debut novel and he nailed it. Um, he, he won three of the sci-fi, like the Holy Trinity science fiction book awards, the Nebula, the Philip K. Dick and the Hugo. So he, he knocked that out of the park with this book. Um, and he, it even coined some of the words we use today, like cyberspace. And it often talks about the matrix and all before this stuff actually really was prolific in, in society. And the book is just a trip. He, he never really wrote anything like it again. And he even admits like he was in a weird place. Like he, he's a great writer even today, but he, he was just in this wacky place. And, the, and this book just blew my mind, just going into his world, going into this kind of cyberpunk world. And it's, a, it's, it's following this kind of washed up hacker who, you know, crossed the wrong people. Um, and he ends up, he's basically working for this AI who's kind of controlling the whole mission. And then there's this other AI that he wants to like, this AI wants to merge with his sister AI and all this trippy stuff, man. So the book blew my mind and it's, it's written in a way that really draws you into this cyberpunk world. So you're like almost like Neo in the matrix. When you read this, you're kind of tripping out. And I didn't read it until later. Actually, I read it some years ago, but I didn't read it when it first came out because I probably couldn't have comprehended it then, but I read it maybe um, fairly recently and it just blew my mind, man. So this is, I, I'm picking this book because this is the kind of book that kind of, when you get a book kind of blows your mind and you're in, in it and you feel like you're in the matrix when you read it, that's just well done. So it, it deserved its awards. If you haven't read it, I suggest you do. It's pretty trip. It's a trip, man. It's a trip. Did they, had they ever make a movie of that? They didn't. They they talked about it over and over and over again, but they've never actually made a movie, even mm. though it's inspired movies um, like The Matrix. You can you know that this The Matrix was inspired by this book. So a lot of the cyberpunk um, and a lot of even like the Japanese anime and stuff that this book is like really inspirational to a lot of that kind of stuff. But they never made an actual movie of this book, which is weird to me. But at the same time, this is the book you don't want to screw up. Um, like they all did the, a Johnny all the fans mnemonic. will riot in the street. Yeah, right. like they did the Johnny mnemonic, which was uh, 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 written by Gibson. Um, and it wasn't, I thought it was okay, but it wasn't great. So if you're going to do like made for TV kind of Johnny mnemonic on it, don't bother. Because this is the kind of book you don't want to mess with. Make a really good movie or leave it alone, man. Hmm. <laughs> so that's an that's. That's another one I haven't read. Uh, it's one I've heard of. Like I said, I worked at a bookstore for a number of years. So I've seen a lot of these titles, but just never read them. But I, I have been trying to get into the more sci-fi stuff recently. So, Well, now you got two books, John. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> well, I've never, read, I've never read it either, John. So you're not alone on this one. All right. Well, All read right. it, guys. I, the thing is, of... like, I'm not a huge fan of science fiction. It, it has to be really good for, for me because I, I just get annoyed at like all the made up words in science fiction. And it's like, oh, so we took the uh duck and inserted that into the figgy And, you know, and it's just like, it's all yeah, but Milo, like, the, the made up words yeah. in the, in, in Neuromancer are now words that you use today. 
Well, it's like Shakespeare, right? So many of the words we use today yeah. are words he made up in his writing. So cyberspace and all of those words you you know back then in 1984 they were kind of made up words, but yeah. now they're real words. So you could read this book and understand it. <laughs> True. All right, I'll I'll, I'll um, read it. I'll give it a chance. I'm I'm a massive massive Tolkien fan. So if I had a problem with made up words, I never would have read any of his stuff. <laughs> I feel the same way about fantasy, although although uh, the Hobbit is one of my favorites. So yeah. I'll say that. Um, all right, John, what do you got? So for my second book, I'm kind of going kind of going backwards in my life, and it's a it's more like well, it's, it's probably even more juvenile than hatchet um is because the covers forever burned in my mind is goosebumps by rl stein the night of the living dummy (laughs) with that that book cover with the crazed mannequin crazed uh puppet on it and um for that that cover is forever burned in my mind and it's it's one of the it's one of the goosebumps i really remember reading a few times as a kid and it was published in what 93 i think so I, I'm, I believe I'm a little younger than you guys. So I was like nine when it was published. Um, and I just remember that book. And I, I just re-list, I just listened to the audio book the other day to refresh my memory. And, you know, the, it's two twins, two young girl twins. And one of them gets a puppet that they found like in a dumpster, uh, um, a ventriloquist dummy. I'm doing the hand gestures like anyone other than you two can see me. Um, and the other twin gets jealous and wants to get a, a ventriloquist dummy. And then the original one is evil and starts doing all these things and it's walking around. It's like possessed. It's a silly story. It's goosebumps, but for the age group, it's pretty scary. And even listening to it, I was like, that's like for a kid, that would be rather suspenseful. The, that, this, those, those goosebumps were good in the sense that they, you know, people often think, well, we don't want to scare children. Right. And, but it's actually, there's nothing wrong with that, actually, because children get scared. And so it helps them learn to deal with those fears and stuff. And uh, yeah, the, those series of books, um, uh, they did a really good job with that. I think that's probably one of the most famous books of that series, though, that that dummy one. Because even the cover is like, I'm an adult. I'm like, that's kind of creepy. I remember when that came out, though, because I, I wasn't really into Goosebumps, but I had a younger brother and he was more into the Goosebumps. And that one kind of scared him, dude. <laughs> he was kind of like it's sleeping with the lights story, on and yeah. stuff with the dummy from the dumpster and all that. Right. He was kind of freaked out, but he, he liked it. It's funny because he liked it, but at the same time, it scared him. So it's like, I don't know. He, he, he Yeah, I remember that one specifically, though. Because a lot of kids were kind of a little freaked out about that trash dummy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they totally were, dude. Like, yeah, I think and, it was around 93, too. Like, a yeah, whole generation and, of kids a little bit. Like, And Stein was a good writer. Like, even his descriptions of the dummy and the, the scarier scenes where the girl wakes up and can see the dummy like it's looking at her. It's, it's fairly scary. Yeah. Like the knocking at the door coming to get you. <laughs> right. Who's I apologize that again at for my that. Door? Uh-huh. <laughs> Let me in. <laughs> is it a child or is it the haunted dummy? <laughs> I know. <laughs> All right. Well, so my first book came out right at the beginning of the 80s. My second book came out right at the end of the 90s. Of course, we all know Train Spotting by Irvine Welsh. I'm going filth 
by Irvine Welsh, which was adopted into a movie, but uh, the movie's not nearly as good as the book. So um, it follows Bruce Robertson. He's a detective with the Edinburgh police, and he is the scummiest of scumbag police officers that you've ever met, which I realized I kind of went with both dark characters for my uh, protagonist here. Um, Anyway, so basically what he is, is he's your typical bad cop, right? He'll plant evidence on people. He does cocaine. He drinks. He uh, sleeps with his friends, girlfriends and wives. Uh, He takes a trip to Amsterdam at one point where he just does tons of coke and has sex with hookers. Um, He's just your typical awful person. He's gunning for a promotion at work and his method of getting it isn't involved trying to do a good job and solve any of the cases that he's working on. He doesn't care about those at all. Instead, what he does is he like um, sabotages the other people that are rooting for the job. So he like spreads rumors about one of the guys, uh, that kind of stuff. So he's just really a terrible person. But what I love about Irvine Welsh anyways, is the way he writes. He writes with the Scottish accent. So it's borderline impossible to read anything he writes as it is. And this is that same way. And the whole book, the story's told from his point of view. So it's all first person point of view, but it changes in chapters similar to train spotting. And so you'll then get a chapter of a book from this woman's point of view. And we learn later out who she is, but then you also, uh, he's such a scummy person. He's got this massive intestinal worm in him and it'll cut to a chapter where the story is his intestinal worms story, like talking about <laughs> this person that he's in and what a scumbag he is. Um, <laughs> so, that's so weird, dude. Yeah. It's such a, that's why I think it's of his stories that I've read. It's my favorite one because you get that intestinal worm story. And at first you're like, what is this? And the way it's formatted on the page and everything. And um, he's just, he's such a brilliant writer. And, uh, and this is such a horrible human being that uh, you are just waiting to see what he's going to do next. And how is this book going to redeem him as a person? Because you're waiting for his redemption. And um, I can't say if it happens or not uh, without spoiling anything, but uh, it's definitely worth a read if, um, if you like this type of novel. Well, now we all have something to go read. Yeah. Yeah. I have quite a few. Yeah, well, I'm going to put the the books on on the the podcast page just to remind everybody what the books are and they can go get them. Um, and we can all read together because I think everybody needs to read more. I love reading. Uh, that's why I like John because John likes reading and he has an awesome podcast name, Sense of Shelf. <laughs> <laughs> so, John, where can people find you? Where can they hang out with you? Uh, the show is available Everywhere you would get a podcast, Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, we're all trying to promote Good Pods lately, it seems. So uh, Good Pods, the app is pretty good. It's like the Goodreads for podcasting. Um, or uh, social media, I'm on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. And all three of those are at Sense of Shelf Pod. That's great. And of course, we'll throw the links into the show notes. 
Uh, well, thanks for joining us, John. Uh, yep, like you said, we've all got something to read now. Audience, if you haven't read any of these books, go check them out. Or if you have a child, introduce them to R.L. Stein. And with that, we will say you can always follow us on Twitter, Instagram, at the, uh, at the 80s and 90s com or the web, the 80s and 90s.com. And with that, we will say we are out of here like a cheap dime store novel tossed in the trash or recycling bin easily forgotten. Goodbye. Poor dime store novels. You know, there's whole, there's whole, there's stores in Portland where I'm originally from that just sell like cheap novels that throw away novels for like five cents. That's the whole store. That's what they do. <laughs> Portland nice. has the best bookstore. What's that big bookstore? It's Powell's. Powell's. That's right. Well, city of books. Yeah. yeah. When that I place was in college, massive. I down- it's like this huge building. It's multiple floors. Uh, it's amazing. If you love books and if you ever go to Portland, go to Powell's. It's Mecca books. Oregon. Yeah. Or Oregon. Oregon. Yeah. Where, where are you located? I'm in Massachusetts. Okay. Yeah. It's a bit of a drive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we're not talking about Portland, Maine, bro. No, <laughs> even that's a bit of a drive for me. <laughs> yeah, Powell's City of Books. It's like if you love books, you got to at least go there once. It's the it's basically the mecca of books. Yeah, it really is.